Hey, how's it going, everyone? I'm Daly, and with me today is Zach Sexton. And this is the Bite Interview Special. Today, uh, we are joined by Sarah Bishop and Becca Turgeon, who are here to talk about their upcoming mobile game, Grasshopper's Winter, a delightful experience about small bugs and their busy lives. Thank you for joining us today. Very glad to have you guys on. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. So tell us about Grasshopper's Winter. This is based on uh, a tale that people may or may not be familiar with, the fable of like the grasshopper and the ant. Mm-hmm. So it's an old Aesop fable. Um, fables, if anyone is wondering, are little stories that are intended to teach people a moral about how to behave and be nice to other people and not die, typically. But <laughs> this one is about... Um, the ant and the grasshopper, as the name implies, and it's about working hard to prepare for the coming winter. Yeah, so in this one, instead of being the, um, the grasshopper that's slacking off, you're actually the uh, grandchild, I guess, of the grasshopper who appears as a ghost in the game. And Ooh. you have to follow the ants and uh, collect food and stuff like that. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't cool. know about the, the ghost add-in. I like that. It's yeah. like learn from one's uh, past mistakes. <laughs> A little right. bit there. Exactly. But uh, how did you guys decide on this particular fable? Um, so deciding on the fable was part of like a tangential process with developing the overall mechanics and feel of the game. Um, so I was working on a little project as um, a teaching assistant once to try to show my students the way the program worked. And... I came up with some little jumping mechanics that were really fun, and Becca here helped me come up with a story that would help them make sense and tie it all together. So we developed in Unity 2D, so Sarah ended up messing with the uh, the gravity effects and got this little square that would attach to different platforms in the game. And we, we showed it to our friend, um, who is an engineer, and he was like 21 at the time, and I think he squealed. He was like really enamored with <laughs> it. So we needed a story, and it was either going to be a grasshopper or a frog, and we couldn't think of a frog fable, so it ended up being the grasshopper. Yep. It fits. It fits really well. I really like uh, the art direction. How did you guys uh, decide on that? So uh, I'm now doing a lot of the art. Um, all we all of the art. <laughs> we had concept artists over the summer. Uh, we we got funding from the RIT Magic Center, uh, uh, which is a great program. We ended. Uh, we had enough money to be able to hire a couple of artists to help us. And after the summer ended, there were some problems with scheduling, and they had to get back to their studies because they're also in the um, four or five year art programs. Uh, so I picked up after their concept art. And a lot of it is uh, very influenced by Anansi the Spider, uh, which is a picture book by Gerald McDermott that we really liked. And we thought games don't have a lot of aesthetic variety right now. We kind of got stuck in this period where a lot of it was... Everything is vectors. <laughs> everything is vectors. <laughs> everything is hyper-realistic. Um, so going to like an, an African or a native people-influenced art style, we thought would be just a change of pace make it stand out, be fun for people. I dig it. I really do. And uh, have uh, the kids been digging it? Because this is something that you have to play test with children, right? Yeah. We've run several plays with the help of the Magic Center again. Um, 
and they all seemed to think that the bugs were very cute. Um, we had a couple of problems earlier in development where some of the bugs frightened them oh, because no. mm-hmm. of how many legs they had. <laughs> but um, Becca's managed to make them a lot rounder and softer and gentler looking, and the kids seem to think they're really cute now. Okay. Yeah, we had a, we had a, a pill bug or a roly-poly. Everybody calls them something different. Which is... Uh-huh. And one of our concept artists, Diana Kim, she drew it, and we thought it was really cute, but it had, like, 50 legs, and they did not like it. They didn't want to play with them or, like, be near them in the game. <laughs> so we had, to, we had to change that. Aww. Yeah. Um, they were like, oh, they're baby bugs. We like babies, but we don't like babies with 100 legs. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I do feel like the more legs something has, the less cuddly it feels, maybe. <laughs> yeah. People feel differently, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, obviously, we've been mentioning it quite a bit. So, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the RIT Magic Center and your relationship with it? The RIT Magic Center um, was created by Andy Phelps to... um, They do a lot of things. Um, Yeah, they have, like, two two different factions in it. The Um, piece that we're involved with uh, helps students... um, start up their own projects and get them into publishing. Um, and it also helps boost them through their, their co-op requirements since a lot of, a lot of kids need help with that to graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I guess the background for it is um, RIT is the Rochester Institute of Technology. That's a good point. And, um, <laughs> we, we have fortunately one of the best game design programs in the nation right now. Okay. Uh, uh, Andy Phelps was the founder, and he decided that he wanted something that helped students go from, like, that academic theory, and we all sit around in a room and we never make games, to the part where we go, hey, I have this cool thing, and I want to put it on the app store, but I don't know how. So uh, they made the Magic Center, which is this acronym, and it stands for a bunch of letters. Uh, um, but it makes magic, and then Magic Skills <laughs> actually publishes things. Um Media and they, art games. Yeah, it's a lot. It, yeah. they, they have a website, um, so you can definitely just Google RIT Magic Center and it'll come up with all sorts of information and games they've published. Interactivity and creativity. There it is. Whew, got there. there. Hey, yeah. We'll, we'll definitely uh, link that in the description of oh, this definitely. interview. So Yeah. Um, it seems like this program's really cool and you guys seem really passionate about games as a whole. Um, and I dig that. I really get it. So, I don't know, as, as a game developer myself i always like hearing about like what got you into game development and game design so what are your guys' stories what got you into this you want to go first okay so i actually this was my um admissions essay to rit i played jack and daxter a lot when i was younger um good choice yeah my my earliest memory was playing tomb raider on the playstation i was like two years old when it came out in 96 so that's the very first thing i can remember so games my entire life. Um, and then I was playing Jack and Daxter a lot when I was about 12 and I realized that somebody makes this and that I could be that person who was making this thing. And then that was it. I was set. Um, <laughs> I did a lot of art and math in high school and then found out about RIT and it was the only school I applied to because I knew that was definitely what I was going to do. And now I'm here making things. So I guess it worked out. That's awesome. Yes. Best program. Yay. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm pretty similar. My dad played a lot of video games with me when I was a kid, like everything. Um, he made me beat the original Mario before I was allowed to play other video games. Ooh. So that, hey, that's yeah. a challenge. 
he bought us he bought us a GameCube and got the original Mario on it and told us to play it. Um, I'm not sure I ever actually beat it as a kid. Um, <laughs> but anyway, those are those are fun anecdotes. Um, <laughs> yeah, in high school, yes, that thing. Many years ago. Yeah, I, I really wanted to do creative writing, but all of the creative writing electives were full. So I took a programming elective and really liked that too. And game design was something that I got to do both creative work and programming work. So it just seemed like a really cool fit. And I loved games. So I gave it a shot and here I am. Huh. Yeah, that's really cool. Kind of that best of both worlds. Yeah, really. And you guys seem to kind of have like a similar kind of story going on, but like different interests. Um, in the actual development of this game, did you get, you guys worked with like a multidisciplinary team, didn't you? Yeah, um, one of the requirements uh, for getting the funding was that we had to be multidisciplinary somehow. So we, we teamed up with illustrators, um, and then both of us are, are game designers. So that was that was the split there, 50-50. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, you guys talked about how the RIT program goes beyond like just getting it and uh, theorizing and then doing it and then all the way to the publishing process, which is kind of the thing that people are like, okay, I have this thing. Now, what do I do with it? Uh, what has been your experience with that? Um, that is one of the biggest things that the Magic Center actually helps us with is that they they are going to help us through publishing the game. Um, awesome. They've already helped another team through it. I think two other teams. Uh, the most recent one was... Um, Adventures with Friends. Yeah, Adventures with Friends was um, published by the RIT Magic Center. Yeah, I, I don't know if they, they might have published it independently, but the Magic Center like helps them along every step because mm-hmm. when you get into trying to actually put something on the App Store or the Android Store or up on Steam, there's a bunch of roadblocks you hit that people, you just don't consider them until you're there in the moment. Like yeah. um, like you have to have a, an LLC to yeah, file through. You, you can't. Oh publish it as an individual or you put yourself at risk for being sued yeah (laughs) everyone's favorite word (laughs) yeah so we we actually are helping a friend sort of tangentially right now he wants to put something on steam for vr and he has to file an llc so we got his his packet of paperwork like i don't i don't know what i'm doing here i didn't know steam was going to make me do this when i started the process yeah um paperwork Wait a minute. Lots and lots but of games. <laughs> <laughs> so if I had to offer some serious advice to other people who are listening and making games, it's just make sure you research it as much as you can before going in and don't get daunted by the paperwork. It sounds like it's going to be the worst thing in the world, but really, when you think about it, paperwork is just fill out a bunch of stuff. So make sure you fill it out. Um, think about it ahead of time make sure you have your company ready to go and you should be okay and if you if you have the privilege to still be on a college campus go to the business department and they they love it business people want to help you (laughs) and want to make you successful uh just go ask them because having a mentor in the whole process is invaluable you hear that ball state listeners got that game want to publish it go miller 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 business college yes go hit someone up there definitely (laughs) But I, I like that a lot. So uh, you guys are kind of closer to being insiders in the industry than we are at this point. 
Um, I'm sorry again, Zach, you're nearly there. <laughs> nearly there. <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, so obviously we've already mentioned that uh, there aren't a lot of women game developers out there, women uh, game designers. Uh, how do you cope with being in a field that doesn't represent you very thoroughly as uh, LGBT plus women? Make a point of making sure to represent ourselves. Um, we are in the privilege of being designers right now, which means we can put ourselves in things. We can make women characters, LGBT characters, and we intend to in the future. Yeah, uh, a big focus of ours uh, going forward is being able to make games that that don't just feature women or LGBT characters because you can you can do something like in Bioware Skyrim games where you have characters that can technically be gay, but mm -hmm. the stories aren't always about that. It feels like that representation is a side tangent or an afterthought in development where we really want to have the ability and the agency to make games that are about our experiences. And I think staying focused on just that, that we can do that, that there are a lot of people out there who will yell about it. And occasionally there are people who are sexist or homophobic about it, but we, we do have the ability to do it. And it might be hard, but I think we owe it to ourselves and to other LGBT women or just women as a broader category, LGBT people as a broader category. We owe it to them to help. We also have the fortune of all of the, the uh, people I've worked with thus far in the Magic Center and RIT have been really nice. They haven't given us any trouble. Um, it's been a nice experience. Uh, Sarah, in the, uh, the wake of the election, uh, posted <laughs> to our Facebook group for uh, game design um, at RIT, where our entire major sort of congregates to ask questions, um, posted about how we have a responsibility and also just the ability in general to uh, to make games that represent people beyond just the standard uh, white male demographic. Um, and a scruffy our... white guy with the Christian Bale voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly awesome. it. Yeah, we, we talk about that uh, a lot on uh, one of our wonderful podcasts here that I happen to host, The Coven, uh, uh -huh. about just what can the industry as a whole do to improve on being more diverse and actually representing the people who play the games mm -hmm. um and i think what you said there was fantastic i'm gonna like cut that and put that in an episode definitely <laughs> <laughs> but um so that's very solid advice for uh yeah. my folk <laughs> <laughs> female lgbt people but um what advice would you give to people who are looking to get into game design or like they have no idea where to start, but they're just like, I want to make a game one day, mm -hmm. like me? <laughs> well, the very first thing is, is for real, play games. Play lots of games. Play games you don't like. Um, it's easy to play games you like. Play games you don't like and think about why. Um, play games you do like and think about why just be very conscious while you are engaging in the medium and take notes even it's something that i did before coming to rit so i would play games and take notes on them um things that i liked things that i didn't things that i might want to try to replicate in the future or make sure i never ever ever did <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh yeah Ugh. didn't your university coming up I, I briefly taught uh, game design at a summer camp um, a couple of years ago to kids. And one of the things I would say a lot is 
we we get caught up a lot in the digital medium of games and there's that, that like barrier to entry with programming and it's kind of daunting um for a bunch of reasons demographically or you think it's going to be too hard but you can make games out of anything all of us have been playing games since we were little you play tag on the playground and the the skills used to make physical board games card games stuff like that, that those are all the same skills you apply in a digital medium um so i think the biggest piece of advice i'd have is you can make games now and you should be making games now if that's what you want to do and eventually you'll get to that programming step or you'll you'll figure out how you're going to get around that step and that's when all of that experience you built up is going to put you ahead of people who haven't thought of that yet and there are a lot of them who get into the programming and spend three or four years in a game design program learning c plus and then get to the end and go i have no idea what a game yeah. yeah 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 lots it's, of people it's it's a lot deeper than it seems mm -hmm. definitely but um so after hopper after all the work and the programming and the designing etc is done and it's out there it's published after all the paperwork uh <laughs> what what's next for you guys um well right now um i have to do an internship and finish up my schooling and that'll take another semester maybe two. Um, and then after that, we wanted to try to start an indie studio together um, and keep doing this, keep making um, where we have the creative ability to do the things we just discussed. Um, we like being in control yeah. <laughs> of our own games. Um, so it, it would also be nice if we could try to get into bigger studios just to get the experience. But the end goal is definitely to have our own studio. Definitely. And right now, uh, for a different class, Sarah's working on a uh, design document. So when you make games, nobody's heard about this yet. You normally make a little Bible of every single step that's going to go into it. And that way, the entire team is on the same page while you're making it. So Sarah's making one of those as a class assignment for a uh, digital creative writing class where we're taking Bluebeard's Bride, uh, which is a fairy tale about a man who kills a bunch of women who are his wives. Um, and we're taking that and we're making it about an um, LGBT woman who has a bunch of wives who are uh, murdered by the townspeople and your effort as one of her new wives to... Um, help not her done. overcome that trauma and not get murdered by the townspeople. Uh, uh, priority one focus. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we want to, in the future, uh, we're focusing on that one maybe as next, but we want to make games that that focus on people like us and give us agency in our own stories again. Yeah, I think that's uh, yeah, a big that's thing about indie development too. It's like you you can do what you want. You can. Uh, mm -hmm. not have to as much focus on that scruffy white dude uh, demographic that uh, AAA games often do focus on. Mm -hmm. And there's a big push to kind of go for those kind of outer games that aren't as popular and the demographics that aren't as popular. Just there's a big push for that currently in the indie game industry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, if there, how would we uh, get to play Grasshopper's Winner in the future? Uh, we want to publish it on iOS and Android, um, and unless something goes horribly wrong, that's exactly where it will be, iOS and Android. Yeah, we, we considered doing it for PC, but really that's not, that's not accessible to the children we want to be giving the game to, so i got to stick to 
that massive mobile gaming market. <laughs> yep. Do you guys have an official release date thereabouts? We're hoping to release by the end of winter. Yeah. So ideally sometime this December, uh, but potentially into January or February. Uh, we're still working on some of the development parts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also still in school. Yeah, and Sarah's still is, in school, which I mean, is school a huge is drain on resources. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, we have to start working with Magic and figure out negotiating how that goes down um, under their studio, but where our part in that is. Um, we haven't gotten entirely into that with them yet. Um, just the promise that they will definitely help us. And just in case it wasn't clear, um, Magic does let the people who it helps, that was poorly phrased, but it lets the students retain all of the rights to their own work. So it's not like Magic has it. Magic is just helping us, which is a really cool thing that they do. They just sort of piggyback on. All they want is for us to keep saying nice things about Magic. Like, I'm wanting to transfer at this point now. So, yeah, yeah, you've convinced us. You've definitely do it. Come say hi. Yeah, guys, let's be friends. Uh, So, uh, was there anything else you'd like to add that I should have asked, or um, anything that you'd want to say to all our aspiring game designers who might be listening? Um, I think we covered most of it, just aspiring game designers. Make sure you realize that you do not have to make Scruffy White Guy Simulator 2018. You can make and people buy it. People will like it. Um, I mean, Dishonored just came out featuring Emily Caldwin. It's the main character, female. Main character, she's pretty cool. And people love the game. They didn't just stop playing it because it had a girl in it. So you can cool games that are not about Christian Bale. <laughs> yeah, about Christian Bale. But alrighty, so uh, this has been Byte's very own interview special. I was joined today by Zach Sexton. I'm the podcast editor, Daily Wilhelm, and our very special guests today were. I'm Sarah Bishop. And I'm Becca Turgeon. Thank you guys for joining me, and uh, I hope to play Grasshopper's Winner soon. Thank, Thank you. you.